Hi, and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat with Shell Griggs. I'm your host, Shell, and today we are going to get into it because I think there are some things that bears um, expressing. I have to express some things here. And one of those things is, can people change? I have two questions that I want to address, and one is, can people change, and do they change? Um, So the first question, I think, uh, I have to say that I think that people absolutely can change. I know for our faith as Christians, we believe that we were crucified with Christ and resurrected with Christ. And that is to new life. So yeah, that's a major change. So I can't say that I don't believe that people can ever change because if I say that, that is invalidating my faith. That's like saying, I don't believe that I've ever changed. And I know I've changed leaps and bounds and I grow. And every year I shock myself with the way that I've changed and I've grown. But I think that the most important out of those two questions is not can people change because we know people have the ability to change. We've seen people do radical changes right before our eyes. Transformations have happened where we have seen people go from this to that, whether it's good or bad. You know, we've seen the, you know, the hero, unlikely heroes start out a certain way. And then, you know, in our fairy tales, they begin to progress in life and they change. And then all of a sudden they're the hero. Or we've seen the anti-hero where they started out the hero, the good guy. And over the time when things started to happen, that was not the way they planned it. They turned into the villain. So we definitely know that it's possible for people to have major transitions and major changes. And we may have ourselves have changed, but I think that in relationships, what motivates people to change may be something extreme. So bear with me. Um, My whole life, my father smoked cigarettes and drank coffee. That was his entire, you know, that to me, those were two things that can be associated with my dad, coffee and cool cigarettes. And he, my, I mean, from the time I was a baby, like it wasn't like he started smoking in my childhood. He was already smoking when I was born. And he started when he was a kid, uh, when he was 18 and he had joined the army and, you know, he, so he started smoking way back before they started to put the surgeon, uh, general warnings on the package to warn you about lung cancer and things. So my dad smoked a lot my whole life. And I thought it would always be like that. And I'm pretty sure my dad thought it would always be like that. I mean, because it's an addiction and it's something that's very personal. And a lot of times people struggle with these things and they don't know how to come out of it. I'm pretty sure that it just never was a thought about how he was going to quit because it's such an it seems like when you're breaking an addiction, it's such an insurmountable um, odd, like you, you feel like you cannot beat it. It's something that it's like I can't beat whatever. Fill in the blank, right? But my father, a few years back, had a stroke, and it was very touch and go for me and our family because we didn't know if he was going to live or not. And we prayed. We had our faith. 
but at the time they were the doctors were not giving us good news and so that's one of those moments that changes you because you're like okay I have to have I'm, I'm gonna have to use my faith I'm gonna have to say you know what and I pled my case with God and thankfully he was healed and recovered completely and I found out my father quit smoking. Then and there, just cut cold turkey, just quit. And a lot of people are say, will say, "Well, that's that's an that's the exception." Yeah, we hear stories like that, and we say that's the exception. But at the same time, the exception gives us this idea of a false hope, like people can just quit cold turkey without any other extenuating factor, without considering the stress and the strain that a stroke can take on someone's body and the real life choices that went behind that. Um, so people can be like, well, he quit, so I can just quit cold turkey. He did it like that, so I can do it like that. And I am not making light of people who have hope or who really believe in that, but I think that there comes a time where we have to be more realistic with ourselves and with our goals and who we are and what we have we are facing without feeling like we are being a downer or you know being negative i think a lot of times we think people will just be motivated to change because we cry or we beg or we tell them in a certain tone so that they know you're they're serious and we leave them but in reality a lot of times we are creatures of habit and what happens is we get so used to doing the same things that even though we may think something differently, cognitively, our behavior is the same. It's consistent and other people can see that. Other people can see that we always take them back. We always accept them back into our friend group, let them back into our lives. You guys, I was watching an episode of Judge Faith where a girl, and I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention because I was cleaning and, and watching at the same time. This girl said her friend actually planned to rob and have her pistol whipped at eight months old. When, I mean, when her uh, daughter was eight, when she was pregnant, eight months with her daughter. Eight months pregnant with her daughter. Excuse me, guys. I don't know what I was thinking, but it's just so bizarre. And they became friends again after that. And it dawned on me, like, people have no concept of what's toxic and what they need to leave alone. I mean, those family members know you're always going to give in and do it. Those, you know, your coworkers know you're always going to pick up their slack. Those, that significant other knows you're always going to take them back no matter how much they F up. Uh, the people that you give your money to know that they can always beg you for money, even though you say it's going to be the last time, because even though you think in your head that it's going to be different, okay, well, if this happens, I'll change, or if this happens, I'll change. These are not realistic scenarios. In order for you to actually change who you are, you have to just have a resolve. And a lot of people don't have resolve. So what do I mean by that? Resolve is just an inside decision that you're never going back to that. And it's not just a decision though, because people make these decisions every day. They're always 
oh, I'm going on a diet. I'm going to cut out this. I'm going to do that. And then so much so do they live and die and they never, ever make any changes in that area, whether it's friendships, um, you know, marriages or relationships, um, co-workers, you know, your crackhead cousin, your family, anything. You know that it's not good. And you know that it's not good for you. And even maybe you've gone through something very extreme, but it hasn't changed you. And what motivates people to change is not always how bad it gets. Some people let it get so bad that it ends up killing them because how bad it gets is not enough. There has to be some kind of resolve that is within you. I don't know what resolve it was that day when my dad decided to quit smoking. I don't know what resolve it was in me when I decided that I was no longer available to take people's crap. But I know one day I just woke up and I said, you know what? No matter how hard it gets, I will no longer take and accept. I'm no longer taking and accepting people's bull crap. And even my own bull crap, I don't even take. So I'm definitely not set up to take other people's crap anymore. But I realized that that is not something a lot of people have. A lot of people don't have the resolve. They don't have the self-discipline to be alone. They don't have the self-discipline to not be dating. They don't have the self-discipline to actually go and work out. They don't have the self-discipline to go to the grocery store and shop differently because they're so obsessed with the idea that they need to change, that they don't actually say, okay, what are the steps to change? What do I need to do to change? Okay, let me take the first step. And there is an often uh, quoted uh, phrase, and I'm going to paraphrase it, um, from Martin Luther King, and it says, faith is taking the first step without seeing the first, uh, the whole staircase. And I think that's it's so much scarier than actually doing it. Uh, It's so much scarier when it's done than when you say it because you are launching out. You're going outside of the norm. You're doing something outside of yourself. And anytime you do an external act to make your life better, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether it's to finally enroll in school, to finally get registered, whether it's to take your kids out of home or public school and put them into homeschool or private school or whatever decision that you make, because you're, no matter how bad the circumstances get, it can get really bad or it can get a little bit better even. I've been in situations where I knew I needed to change and things got better right before the change. I've quit jobs and people started being nicer to me on my way out and trying to develop friendships and relationships with me. And I have left relationships where it got better even after I decided I wanted to leave. So what is up with that? Like, do you leave on a high note? I think it's absolutely normal to leave on a high note. I think it's absolutely possible to go to one last party um, and then say, you know what? I'm not going back. That's just it. And I think when you choose your peace, when you choose your love, your happiness, your joy over 
the uncomfortable feeling that you get when people are not happy with your decision, that ultimately is choosing peace in your life. It's And you may say, well, people are going to be mad. They're going to blow up. They're going to do this. I didn't say that you're choosing internal or external peace. I'm talking about the internal peace that you have knowing that you are not tolerating anybody's crap anymore. You will not settle for less than what you deserve and then going after what you deserve. Actually telling yourself like you deserve healthy relationships. You deserve healthy, you know, a healthy family. Just because someone is your blood does not mean that they need to be around you at family gatherings. Just because you know someone and they you've known them your whole life and they've always been that way doesn't mean that they can't change. People are motivated to change for a lot of different reasons. And guess what? It's never because other people have become such a welcome doormat that all of a sudden they feel sorry for you. That's not going to happen. No one's ever robbing a house and then they're like, hey, wait a minute, how would I feel if somebody robbed me? I'm just not going to rob them, even though they left their doors wide open. Nobody's going to say that. You know how absurd that is to believe that? It is absurd to believe that people are going to just stop doing what is comfortable, what feels good, what is in their habit, what is habitual to them. Because you are uncomfortable or you wrote them an angry email or you told them no firmly. They're not going to stop trying. People are not going to stop trying to use you. You just have to learn how to um, channel that and tell them where to go and what they can do with it. You have to learn how to say no and mean it. You have to learn how to say yes to some things for yourself and mean them. And until something happens on the inside of you where you come to know your value and your worth and you have to know that you deserve more on the inside and you you have a resolve that no matter what I am going to no longer accept people crap people's crap I'm no longer going to allow people to use me like a welcome doormat. I am no longer going to allow bad relationships over good ones. I can tell you now, I used to be the type of woman who I would run towards the dysfunctional guys and guys who treated me well, I would I would have no parts with them. Now I run from guys like that. Like if you're dysfunctional, I don't want any parts of you. I don't like guys that are that treat me like a-holes. And a lot of women do. They actually put up with it. They like that because to them, it's exciting. To me, it's it's vomit-inducing. Like, you have no right to treat me like that. You do not know who I am. I am the daughter of a king, of the king, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And you know what? Regardless of if you see me like that, regardless of you see me as a queen, as the woman I am... I am going to act like that and I'm going to know my worth and I'm going to demand that you pay taxes. Like you're not going to get over on me if I know it. And as soon as it comes to light, I'm going to be like, yep, 
well, I deserve more and these are my steps. This is what I'm going to do so that no longer you, you no longer have access to me like that. And it doesn't matter if it's family. It doesn't matter if it's a job. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship. I don't care how fine he is. Girl, he's not worth it. I don't care how fine she is. It doesn't matter. She's not worth it. Men, you have to know your worth and then charge them taxes. And let me tell you something. Until you demand what you deserve, until you hold your friends accountable, until you hold your significant other accountable, until you make your employer see you as a valuable asset, people are going to treat you the way they do. Because honestly, it's easier. It goes with the grain. It's, you know, less of a challenge. They're not going to really, people will do what you allow them to do. And my mom used to say that all the time. And it would floor me because I'm like, people are going to just do whatever. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to allow people to, you know, break into your car or, you know, just talking. To, I was just thinking more like calamities, things that happen that are outside of our control. She meant that there are certain things in our lives that we can control. We can control our response to something that someone does to us. And unless if we allow people to walk on us, they will. You being nicer to somebody who's a bully is not going to help. You know, when I came to Houston, when I moved to Houston, one thing I learned is that women are are rude. And me being the type of woman that I am where I love other women, like I am, I'm a, a pro, like I love women and I love other women. I love sisterhood and I am going to support you. And I'm that type of woman. But being that type of woman in a in a space where there is a lot of cattiness and there is a lot of messiness and there's a lot of competition, you can't be that. You have to be more fierce and you have to be you can it doesn't change who your character is. Like nobody's gonna to make me tainted and have me be less of a proponent for other women, less of a, a cheerleader for other women, you're not gonna change me. That's not external circumstances are going to change who I am on the inside uh, as far as my resolve to treat other women with respect. But what being here in Houston has showed me is that I have to be that woman, but I have to be more fierce. And it's uncomfortable because I like to smile at other women and I like to be polite. But here I have to be like, excuse me, what did you say? Who are you talking to? Oh, no, that's not what I said. And mean it. And I have to have that face. And I have to take a tone with them. Because if not, these women will walk right on you. And it's it's not, it has nothing to do with, you know, oh, they're bad. It's just that people are going to do what you allow them to do. And they're just more bold here. You're just more upfront with it. Like, I'm going to be this way. I'm going to clown. And you have to say, okay, well, welcome to the circus because I'm a clown too. Uh, Honestly, if you don't treat people this way, if you don't read the room, so to speak, you're going to end up in the clutches of someone else that's going to walk on you. Someone else is going to use you. Someone else is going to do what they do. Um, and honestly, I speak up for myself a lot and I know people don't like it and it's very uncomfortable because people are not used to that. They're used to, uh, other, them just saying some bull 
and it just flies. You know, a lot of times people who are in higher up positions, they don't really want to hear employee complaints. They want to hear employees dote about what a wonderful job they're doing and how the company is perfect and how there's no room for growth. But in reality, if you are really realistic about a company, a company is made by complaints. Because when you complain about certain things, it gets better. Look at how often the Coke bottles have changed. The Coke design has changed. Look at how often the ketchup bottles have changed. Heinz has changed over the years. So to think that you as a company or a person can grow without complaints or, you know, critique is crazy in itself. If people can't handle how you want to be treated because they just want everybody to agree with everything they do, that's not a real relationship. That is a dictatorship. That's everybody serve me and I will serve the greater good. And in reality, the greater good is just you not being uncomfortable with who you are. Sometimes it takes a hard, long look in the mirror. People have told me things that I hated to hear, but you know what? And I might have even disagreed with them openly when they said it, but I would, after, after that conversation, I would do self-reflection. I would go back and say, you know, man, Lord, you know me, you know my heart. And the heart is deceitful among all things. Who can know it? But you know my heart. Is this my motive? Show me myself. Show me in this. And he would show me every single time. He always shows me like, this is where you were with this. And this is where that person was. And if I am wrong, then I actually address that. But there are so few people who actually want to do that work on themselves or even know how to do that work on themselves that they are literally they just like people that go with the grain that go with the flow and actually you get labeled as a troublemaker when you when you decide that you know what i'm going to change i can change and i will change so to address this can a person change yes do a lot of people change no because they're not motivated to change because their circumstances and their situations, a lot of people just go with the flow. If you're in a, if you're having conflict in your relationship and every time you come out the winner, you're manipulative. That other person may disagree with you, but let me tell you something. If you're walking away every time and you're dealing with another human being, because no human being is going to agree with you 100% of the time. That's how we ended up in this mess with our president is because you can support a person and not agree with their lifestyle. You can disagree to some of the things that they have done, but people think that the support of the president is just blindly supporting everything he does, even when it goes against your own moral compass. When we say we want a president that represents us and our values, it doesn't necessarily mean everything that they do is going to, you're going to agree with. But it does mean that you don't sit there and you justify what they have done that is evil and even illegal. Like there, there comes a point where it's justification of wrongs versus, you know what, I support them because they they support my values versus they can do no wrong, which is that's putting them up there. That's idolizing them. That's making them into a God. Um, so, you know, we tend to do that with relationships. We idolize and make our relationships God. 
we say, you know what, this man, he's going to be perfect. He's going to sweep me off my feet. I'll never be lonely again. Um, or, you know, she's going to cook for me. She's going to clean for me. I'll never have to pick up my dry cleaning again. And because we've made these relationships, God, when the person we're with or we're in covenant with a relationship or in family with, they fail us even a little bit, we are offended. Your family doesn't owe you anything. Your grown adult parents, when you're a grown adult person, they don't owe you anything. Yes, it's nice to have parents who support you as an adult, and I'm blessed to have that. But honestly, you they don't owe you that. They don't even owe you an explanation of how they raised you. That's something that they're they're able to give that. But they don't owe you anything but the debt of love. And honestly, we don't have a good concept of love. A lot of us have this warped view of love. We think love is just blindly, you know, caring about every little detail that has nothing to do with reality. We think love is, you know, these, you know, okay, well, I never want your feelings to be hurt. Well, guess what? Your feelings going to be hurt. I let, I try to let people know that guess what? Being in a relationship with me is never going to be perfect because I am not perfect. And if anybody can mess anything up, (laughs) it would be me. And I don't want that type of pressure to be perfect. I don't want that type of pressure to be, to never fail you because there only God can do that. And you're putting people on this pedestal and you're getting upset because they're letting you down. When you take people off the pedestal and put them on equal ground, like I expect the person that's begging me on the street for $10 to react the same way as I expect my family to react to me. So if I give my family member $10 and they're begging for it and, oh, I'll pay you back. I expect that out of you as much as I expect that as a person on the the end of the block that's begging for money with a sign. I'm probably never going to see that person again and never see my $10 again. So I'm going to assume that about you only because it keeps you in the safe zone. It keeps you from becoming my enemy because I put you on this pedestal. Well, I know this person will pay me back. You know, they told me they'll they'll pay me back. So I know that they will. So I'm more likely to give them my $10 than the person up the street. When in reality, people don't owe you that. They don't even owe you to explain their bad actions. Like you, you want that and you even crave it and desire it. And that's why a lot of us go back to exes or bad situations or bad friendships. But it's not required. And I don't think that it, you can really truly have reconnection without addressing the, fir- the disrespect that got you in the, the, in the situation in the first place. If we don't address how you disrespected me in the first place, I don't think you and I are going to work out because reconnection without apology is just manipulation. It's plain and simple manipulation. That there's no other way to slice it. There's no other way to cook, cut it. There's no other. You're literally reconnecting and not apologizing or addressing the situation or not getting an understanding. That is manipulation. So a lot of our relationships where we think we have peace, someone's being manipulated into silence. Someone's being manipulated to to think that okay, well, my very real concern 
is and I'm not saying that people who have peaceful relationships are are all being manipulous manipulated I'm saying a, a, some of them are the peace that we see and I am using air quotations peace that so-called peace is coming from people's silence about things that actually bother them so when their relationship deteriorates or they're all of a sudden no longer a thing it's not all of a sudden they're no longer a thing it's been a while that that person has been disrespected and their needs have gone unaddressed. And now all of a sudden they're coming to the surface because that is built up and built up and built up and built up. And over the years, they couldn't take it anymore. So now all this resentment is, is coming to surface. So people's motivation is lacking and changing. It's not that they can't change. It's that they're not motivated to change because the person that they're dealing with just kind of goes along with what they do and accepts that as their personality versus accepting it as what it is, which is a form of manipulation that they may not even know that they're being manipulative. I mean, these these things that we do that we that become habitual to us, we do them so much that they no longer seem to be an issue with us. Like you can be so manipulative for so long and it's become a habit that you think it's part of your personality. In reality, it's not. It's something that can be changed. Just like my father quit those cigarettes, cold turkey, there was something in his resolve that said, no, no more. There has to be something in your resolve that says, you know what? I'm not going to manipulate people. If I try to reconnect with them, I'm going to at least explain, hey, you know what? I was wrong. And I want you to know that your feelings were very valid. Or even if you say, hey, your feelings were valid. I didn't feel like that was me. But you know what? I'll take that into consideration. That goes a lot further with me than saying, oh, no, I didn't do that. Or coming back around like nothing happened without apology. Because that is just wrong. And it invalidates people's expression of how they feel. When it already takes so much courage to tell somebody about something that's bothering you that they're doing. And then on top of that, the courage to say, you know what, this is manipulative and I'm going to leave now. <laughs> that, that even takes even more courage. I mean, anybody can stay to keep the peace or just agreeing in silence, knowing that it's killing your soul to, to even tolerate this. Um, so that's our time. It's been... It went by quickly, but you guys, let me know your thoughts. I hope this resonates with you. If you're the manipulate, the manipulated or you're being the manipulator, either way, or even if you're looking to change and you're not sure you can, I think that there, there has to be some kind of resolve in you first and foremost, before you go about trying to say that you're going to change your life. New, New Year's is coming up, so I might revisit this topic because everybody makes resolutions and not a lot of people follow them. So here's to that. And until next time, let's chat.